Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. The rise of new technologies is changing the way companies raise funds. Along with increased popularity of crowdfunding in recent years, a new form of funding has emerged, that is, the use of initial coin offerings or ICOs. In 2017, companies in the United States raised over $4 billion through ICOs in 2018, more than $21 billion has been raised. ICOs generate many challenges for securities regulators and also give rise to other issues including corporate governance, data protection, anti-money laundering and insolvency. Assistant Professor Aurelio Gurea Martinez from the SMU School of Law has conducted legal research on financial regulation. In this podcast, he shares his recent comparative and interdisciplinary study, which addresses the issue of ICOs and makes recommendations to regulators and policymakers in a way that aims to promote innovation and firms' access to finance without harming investor protection market integrity and the stability of the financial system. Professor, you recently published a research paper that examines the legal issues surrounding initial coin offerings. Could you tell us what motivated you to zoom in on this topic? Yes, absolutely. So basically, my co-author, Nidia Remolina, also from SMU and I, observed that in 2017, companies in the U.S. raised more than $4 billion through ICOs, but then there was an explosion in 2018, and we saw that more than $21 billion were raised through this new fundraising method. So that's why we thought that it would be very interesting to conduct a study to analyze the legal and financial issues uh, regarding ICOs, particularly because we observed that no much has been done in this field and regulators have been approaching ICOs in different ways. So it was uh, an area in which there were like a clear regulation and it was because of the figures a very important uh, matter, I think, to, to have in mind from a financial regulation perspective. The title was The Law and Finance of Initial Coin Offerings because what we observed is that most regulators around the world have been just focusing on when an ICO is going to be subject to securities regulation. Uh, and that's something that is going to depend on the legal nature of those coins, those uh, crypto assets, those tokens that the promoters, the developers, the entrepreneurs are going to issue. Um, and that's why we wanted to do something from an interdisciplinary and comparative perspective. And one way to reflect the interdisciplinary nature of this study was to call it the law and finance of initial coin offering. Was it challenging to embark on such a pioneering study? So basically it was challenging, first of all, because the research that was conducted prior to ours on this field was just focused on securities regulation, uh, while our study uh, tries to cover much more. So basically we cover corporate governance, we cover insolvency, data protection, uh, cross-border issues, accounting and financial issues. So it's a very ambitious research. And when we try to basically collect the data as well, it was very confusing because depending on the sources, the data were so different. So that's why the main challenge for our research was, first of all, uh, because there was nothing actually in some of the areas that we covered in, in the study. 
second, because the data were somehow uh, like uh, confusing. And third, because there are no harmonization of uh, like regulatory approaches to deal with ICOs. So we had to go to many different jurisdictions to trying to come up with like uh, the common regulatory responses to deal with ICOs. So that's why in that sense was a bit challenging, but also a very rewarding <laughs> project. Can you tell us more about the scope of the study? Basically, this project took us about a year to conduct, and we were focused mainly on the United States, the United Kingdom, Switzerland, uh, Singapore, but then we also try to see how these uh, uh, ICOs are regulated in, also in emerging uh, economies. So that's why, for example, we went to conduct some research in Mexico to see how Mexico is approaching that because Mexico passed last year a very innovative fintech law. So that's why it was interesting for our study. We also took a look at Colombia, Argentina, Spain, France, so, uh, yeah, and after analyzing like all of these jurisdictions, basically we came up with the common regulatory approaches to, to deal with ICOs. What were your findings? Yeah, so basically the first uh, finding was that it's a very unclear uh, field. So basically regulators are addressing ICOs in, in, in many different ways. The second one is that sometimes we felt that even local regulators don't talk to each other. So for example, while the financial regulator might be promoting innovation, then the data protection regulator might be enacting some laws that might interfere with that goal of promoting financial innovation. And then uh, more importantly, another finding that we uh, observed was that some buyers of these tokens, of these uh, products issued in an ICOs are not properly protected. So we found some flaws in the regulatory framework of ICOs precisely because we think that ICOs haven't been addressed from a comprehensive perspective. So usually securities regulators have been just addressing the, the legal challenges of ICOs from their perspective but from their perspective, if something is not considered a security from a legal perspective, that is not going to be subject to securities law. And that's why security regulators don't care that much about that. But what happens if an, a token, one of these products issued in an ICO is not considered a security? We were so concerned that these, the buyers of these tokens are not properly protected. So that's why in our proposals, we suggest a few recommendations to try to enhance the protection of these type of uh, uh, non-security token holders. Your study proposed several recommendations to enhance the regulatory framework of ICOs. Can you elaborate? Yes, absolutely. So basically, our paper proposes five policy recommendations to enhance the regulatory framework of ICOs. So I've just mentioned is that we think that ICOs should be addressed in a comprehensive way. So far, all the security regulators seem to care about ICOs. And that's why the buyers of those tokens that are not legally classified as securities are not properly protected. So that's why the first measure that we propose is that any issuance of tokens, regardless of the legal nature of the token, should be disclosed to a public agency, the security regulator or maybe other uh, public agencies. And the way to do so is by maybe 
uh, like submitting an electronic form with some basic information about the issuer, about the tokens, about the legal advisors, in order for the regulators to have some information and that might uh, encourage ex ante these entrepreneurs to think twice what they're going to do. And by doing that, uh, I think we're going to protect much better uh, like the buyers of these tokens. And at the same time, this public agency will have an overview of the entire ICO market and not only those tokens that are going to be considered securities from a legal perspective. Then the second proposal is basically to enhance the protection of these non-security token holders. So the buyers of these products that are not considered uh, securities. And the way to do so is just by observing how consumers and financial consumers are protected. So that's why we try to import some uh, strategies from uh, like the legal protections to, pro to, to protect uh, consumers to use these strategies into the ICO framework. Uh, the third proposal is that regulators should invest more resources um, in uh, providing education, information, awareness about the risks of ICOs. So some regulators, for example, the SEC or the Monetary Authority of Singapore are doing uh, very well in that uh, matter, but we observe that not many regulators around the world are doing that job well. Our fourth proposal was because this is a very risky business and in fact some data show that more than 80% of the ICOs are scams. So that's why we suggest that commercial banks and pension funds who are managing people's savings and retirement pay we don't think this institution should be allowed to engage in the purchase of tokens because it's a very risky strategy and after all it's not their business uh, either. And then our final proposal is to try to harmonize internationally or to provide a global response to the applicable law regarding ICOs because we also observed that sometimes even entrepreneurs in good faith, they want to comply with the regulatory framework, but if one of the buyers of those tokens is from another jurisdiction, the law existing in that jurisdiction will apply. So that's why when you are working on uh, like preparing your ICO, you don't really know who is going to buy your tokens in the future. So that's why in order to have more certainty, we think that maybe the International Organization of Securities Commissions, IOSCO, or other international organizations should try to promote more like harmonization or a more common global response to uh, determine the applicable law in, for, for an ICO. How will investors and markets benefit if these recommendations and mechanisms are implemented? Yeah, so basically our idea is that by uh, uh, creating this electronic form and requiring every single entrepreneur interested in issuing an ICO to submit this electronic uh, form to a public agency and by protecting through different mechanisms the buyers of non-security tokens. Our idea is to try to enhance the protection of both uh, investors and consumers involved in, in these ICOs. And by providing more protection, we're going to create more confidence. And by creating more confidence, I think that that is going to be good also for entrepreneurs interested in raising money through this fundraising mechanism. 
And also, we think that investors will benefit from our proposal because so far, the regulatory framework is not always clear, especially when it comes to cross-border issues. So if you want to issue a, a launch an ICO in Singapore, uh, maybe some of your the, the buyers of those tokens are located in the US or are Swiss nationals. For example, you don't really know ex ante the applicable law that you're going to be subject to. So that's why with our proposal, if we encourage uh, global regulators to work together to try to come up with a proposal to determine the applicable law of an ICO, we will create more certainty also for entrepreneurs. And that's why we think that's going to be good for innovation and for firms access to finance. Thank you, Professor. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.